Good afternoon and welcome to Common Ground Radio, an hour-long discussion of local food and agriculture here in the state of Maine, brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association in conjunction with WERU, your community radio station. My name is CJ Walk and I am your host for today's show. Common Ground Radio is a monthly show airing on the second Thursday of the month at 4 p.m. here on WERU. I'd like to let listeners know that today's show is a pre-recorded show, so we will not be taking phone calls. And for today's show, through the wonders of technology, I have put together a couple interviews with a few organic farmers here in the state of Maine. These discussions all occurred within the first week of April 2020 and focused on how the current coronavirus pandemic is affecting their farms, their day-to-day -day farm operations, their markets and customers, as well as some of the effects they are seeing in their local communities. The first recording is with Stacy Brenner of Broad Turn Farm in Scarborough, Maine, which is in Cumberland County, and Abby Sadowskis and Jake Galley of Apple Creek Farm in Bodenham, Maine, which is in Sagatahawk County. The second recording is with Krista Bonner, and Krista and her husband Mike own Bonner Farm in Belmont, Maine, which is in Waldo County. But before we get into these recorded discussions, I wanted to start with some of the trends we are seeing in the farming world over the past few weeks in order to lay a little bit of background information for listeners. It is no doubt that small businesses are being impacted by the coronavirus, and most main farms tend to fall into that category. Some farms who are selling to direct markets, meaning farmers markets, farm stands, online sales, etc., are seeing relatively steady sales and maybe even a few spikes in activity as consumers look to source local products. Some consumers seem to be stocking up on dry goods, frozen meats, etc. But there's also a perception that the risk of coming into contact with the coronavirus might be lower at a local farm stand where there is typically less traffic compared to a larger grocery store. Farms that seem to be having the biggest negative impact to sales right now are those with a lot of restaurant markets, which have nearly all shut down. So these farms are looking to move products through other channels, which is a challenge. And there's heightened concern from flower farms who primarily grow, arrange, and supply flowers and bouquets for weddings and other special events that draw people into Maine over the summer months, since it is unclear if such events will be allowed this summer. And we will hear more about that in a few minutes. All the uncertainty around what summer might bring is affecting all farms. A typical vegetable farm starts seeding in their propagation house in late February or March in order to have crops for summer markets. So decisions have to be made now or have already been made about whether or not to scale back production just in case the situation does not improve or to move ahead with business as usual. Part of this has been making the decision to hire a full farm crew for the season or to make the tough decision of hiring fewer farm workers in case things do not improve or maybe the most difficult decision in laying off existing farm crew. And the business cash flow for farms coming out of winter tends to be extremely tight, so financial adjustments at this time of year are a serious challenge. Now, I am not trying to focus on the negative, but this is part of the current reality for all of us around the concern for uncertainty moving ahead. The good news is what I, and what I find encouraging is that farmers are deeply committed 
hardworking and extremely creative and adaptive when faced with adversity. They are a most rugged and determined crew of folks. So we are seeing a lot of innovative changes to comply with CDC guidelines. And we'll hear more about some of these details from the farms where you'll hear, hear the terms pivoting or turning the ship in reference to these adjustments. If you've been to a local winter market, you probably have seen farm goods pre-bagged more than usual to make the transaction as contact-free as possible. And you may have been escorted through the stand by a farmer who gathers your goods for you along the way in order to minimize contact. You may have seen your local farm stand supplying disposable gloves for you to wear as you shop with hand sanitizer available on your way in and on your way out. And here the farmer may also assist you with gathering your goods while you shopped in order to limit contact. Many farms are creating new online sales prep platforms or adapting their current online platform where you can purchase your good goods during certain days at the beginning of the week with a pickup date and time scheduled towards the end of the week. Some are also offering home delivery within their local communities with special concern for the elderly and the immunocompromised who are at a much higher risk of contracting COVID-19 and may not want to venture out of their homes. Farms are making a lot of changes on how they can improve access and better supply customers with fresh and local farm goods. It all comes from a place of limiting risk to the consumer while maximizing their access to locally grown healthy foods. And it's worth noting that farmers are always deeply concerned about food safety and not just in the face of the current pandemic. Most farms have thorough protocols and standard operating procedures to make sure health risks are minimized in the production, packaging, and sale of their products. So farms are taking it another step further to protect the health and safety of farm customers during sales transactions and to also protect themselves and their farm crew. So with that bit of background information, let's listen to the first recording with Stacy Brenner of Broad Turn Farm in Scarborough and Abby Sadowskis and Jake Galley of Apple Creek Farm in Bowdenham. Today I am speaking with Stacy Brenner of Broad Turn Farm and Abby Sadowskis and Jake Galley of Apple Creek Farm. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the impacts, the current impacts of uh, the coronavirus situation here in Maine, how it's affecting farms, and uh, what things may look like in the future. So I think first, just to jump back to our guests, uh, I'd like to ask Stacy, Stacy Brenner, if she could maybe say a few words about your about your farm. Sure. Thanks for having me on. I am a most primarily a cut flower farmer. Um, our big, we do some produce mostly for wholesale, um, but our big market is uh, farm-driven floral design for special events and weddings. And the, that season for weddings in Maine usually dovetails pretty nicely as a market with what our flower season looks like. So the big changes and the other, the other side of our business is um, we run a farm camp program for nine weeks in the summer. Um, so normally we have this beautiful sort of cash flow situation designed where farm camp tuition comes in and that floats the cash flow for getting the season started along with deposits for people's wedding floral um, work. And um, as you can imagine, we're sort of sitting on all that summer camp money because we would need to spend that 
by paying that back. We, we can't spend that because we need to pay that back to our families if we are unable to run our summer camp program. Um, so that put us in a pretty like cash strapped moment in a really quick minute. And the that's about $70,000 worth of cash flow that I can't spend. The um, And all the wedding business is drying up for May, for June, into July, some of August. Um, so that's tricky because those are balances that won't get paid. Um, so some of those clients want to postpone to August or September, October, which gets tricky because that's already filled and busy with other events and then it's questionable and the writings on the wall whether or not people will want to be in mass gatherings and travel across the country or the world to attend a wedding in Maine anytime between now and when there's a vaccine so um it's been a really wild ride of just kind of grieving the changes and figuring out how to say the words that need to be said to lay people off that have worked for us for a decade. We have been rearranging our crop plan to adjust for not having large markets to sell our product to. Um, we also sell a lot of product to other floral designers that do events and then also to like all of sort of Portland and Biddeford and Yarmouth um, is kind of our spread of hospitality businesses, restaurants, hotels, breweries. Um, so we're usually dropping flowers off for all of those folks as well, doing design work inside hotel, inside folk places like the Press Hotel. So, um, you know, it's just, it's like obliterated overnight. It's been hard. I don't know what it looks like on the other side. Um, usually the cash flow for the business is pretty well set to pay people salaries for a full year. And if we end up in a pickle where there's nothing is with regard to our event season happening this year, it's going to be pretty challenging to figure out how to hold on to people through the winter. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've been looking at like small business loans, but I get anxious about things that I'm going to have to pay back when I'm going to have maybe a full year without the kind of income that we're used to. Um, so we're just trying really hard to be patient, sit on our hands, let the calendar days tick by, take it one day at a time. And then on the flip side, I'm a nurse midwife and I felt I haven't worked as a nurse in some time, but I felt pretty compelled to step up. And so I took a job at the hospital. I started on Monday. Um, working back in my old unit at the birthplace at Mercy Hospital, also where my oldest daughter works as a nurse. So, so that's occupying a lot of my mental space in a pretty good way, but it's pretty intense over there. Okay, thanks, Stacey. And Abby and Jake, if I could jump over to you and uh, just ask you to say a little bit about Apple Creek Farm. So we, um, we farm where Jake grew up, so we farm on adjacent land um, and manage a big chunk of land for our organic livestock operation. We are very diversified. We raise um, beef cows, laying hens, sheep and goats, and then seasonally we do broilers and turkeys in Bodenham. And so we are primarily a direct market farm. We sell most of our products through farmer's market, uh, winter farmer's market every Saturday in downtown Brunswick. And then um, generally starting May 1st, we go to three days a week at Brunswick Markets as well. We are also part of the 
governance of those markets. So a lot of what we have been doing the last couple of weeks has been communicating with fellow vendors, trying to gauge the changing guidelines and how those impact um, both the safety for us as farmers, but also as customers, um, for our customers. Trying to really walk the fine line between um, sacrificing sales and the need that we're seeing from our customers to eat really good food. So we have pivoted um, all of our sales to a pre-order on-farm pickup, um, and those are Saturdays and Sundays. So it's really shifted our um, planning and how we spend our days, um, just changed the whole rhythm of the farm. And we're balancing that with what is generally a really busy time of year. Um, so I work off the farm two days a week and I've had to really um, pull back hours in order to meet the demand of our animals. Um, so we just finished lambing and um, so we've got some some needs around that and we just started getting our new broiler chicks. So for us, it's we have felt really felt an outpouring of support from our customers. We had already had a really robust Land, uh, mailing list and those sorts of things. So we feel really fortunate that we had put that infrastructure in place to communicate with our customers, to help tell them, you know, kind of every week what we're thinking and how the dynamics have changed. And um, they have been incredibly supportive and respectful of our decision not to go to farmer's markets, um, to instead be able to bring people to the farm and really to the best of our abilities, provide a safe place for people to both pick up food and, um, you know, avoid potentially getting anybody sick. But I would say that for us, you know, we're at a, a decision point in terms of summer markets to both figure out if it's um, the best idea to ask people to come out in groups um, to attend those farmers markets as customers and whether it is a good idea for us to really increase our exposure at those markets. Um, unfortunately, there hasn't been kind of a co coherent uh, conversation among the, the markets we participate in about how to approach that. It, it does seem like there's some fragmentation. You know, every, every farmer has a different way of, of looking at their own operation and this response to the virus is no different. But we're, we're optimistic that um, we can have a relatively normal season from the farm perspective. We are seeing our demand at the wholesale level. So we started moving eggs much more through wholesale to um, make up the shortfall in sales from our direct markets. But we can't keep up with orders from our wholesalers. We're dropping 60 dozen of eggs and they're calling us later that day to get more. So I, I would say that's added new stress, um, different stress for us, and trying to, it feels very difficult to take time to make well thought out decisions that are not reactive, that are, are a bit more proactive. And I would say that feels very different to us. And also, you know, trying to navigate new relationships with our customers, like we really care a lot about them and really like them. So having to have them come to the farm and then say, we're glad you're here, don't try to touch us. Just pick up your food and go. Feels a little weird. Yeah, I'm sure it makes it, it seems to make everything just a little more impersonal when you spend a lot of time building those connections with with customers over the years. For sure. Yeah, and uh, down in 
in the Bodenham Brunswick area, are the winter markets still running? Yes, our winter market has reopened this week. We took a two week break, but each vendor is able to make their decision about whether they want to participate. And half of the vendors are going to be outside, the other half inside. But that messaging has been challenging. A couple other vendors are in a parking lot across town. Yeah, so it's, it's caused some confusion for customers for sure. And, and definitely not all of the vendors are coming back either. So I, th I think maybe half of the vendors, if that, are actually participating. So a market that usually has 50 vendors is looking at 20 to 25 people showing up and being split outdoor indoors um, and, and a couple blocks away as well. Okay, and, and just out of curiosity at those markets, what are, um, what are people setting up for precautions for customers in terms of spacing or uh, you know, sanitizing and things like that? Yeah, so there we rent space from Waterfront, Maine, and they have enacted um, more vigorous sanitation protocols on common surfaces. Um, and even, I would say, the last market we were, we were at was the first weekend in March. We had big signs about um, encouraging people to wash their hands at that point. Um, so the, the markets are following all the guidance that have come down from the Federation of Farmers Markets, the CDC, and the National Farmers Markets. So inside um the number of vendors and the size of the space allows a lot of space in between vendors so there isn't there aren't points of congregation um and the same outside and a lot of vendors have switched to a pre-order system and or grab and go selections of produce yeah we have not been so that's kind of just what we know from email i'd like to remind listeners that you are listening to common ground radio and today we are talking about the effects of the coronavirus on Maine farms. This recording is a conversation with Stacy Brenner of Broad Turn Farm in Scarborough and Abby Sadowskis and Jake Galley of Apple Creek Farm in Bodenham. And since this is a recording, we are not taking calls on today's show. Thanks. Stacy, can I ask you just a little bit, a little bit about the wholesale markets? I'm curious if that means some of your regular wholesale markets would have been restaurants and things in the Portland area. Could you maybe say a little bit about what, ha what is happening in that realm? I know a lot of restaurants are closed or switching to just kind of a, a pickup or delivery option, depending on their scale. Yeah, we sell actually a lot to caterers um, who are preparing meals for the same events that we're providing farm-driven floral design for. Uh, so yeah, that doesn't work so well. Um, so we're going to have to get creative and figure something out. And what is, um, do you kind of have a sense of maybe what the, the sentiments are for farms that are maybe wholesaling to the Portland area are most finding similar, similar challenges. Do you know? Uh, it seems like from what I see, uh, folks talking about, there's a lot of regrouping to offer like online CSA share or online ordering and pick up in specific locations either on farm or at an agreed upon location or at the farmer's market. It's just it's really hard I think to like turn your ship your huge ship as it's just about to hit an iceberg. 
um, really quickly. And it's also, I think, kind of hard for us specifically to feel comfortable taking on like an even deeper amount of financial risk mm -hmm. to really quickly change our whole crop plan. Um, and, you know, like for the first week, I was a little bit paralyzed. So it's a little hard to like take the paralysis and the trauma and flip it all around into like a useful, effective energy that gets stuff done. So I feel like maybe now this week, I'm just starting to feel like I could be effective. I don't know. And, you know, it's, it's hard to figure out how you, how much it, attention to pay to your own business versus just kind of like setting it up so it just doesn't completely hemorrhage all the money and all of the capacity too quickly versus like trying to change, you know, like it's just hard to figure out how to, what, what to do. And I imagine in, in the flower production side of things, you would already be well into seeding and working in greenhouses to get things going. I mean, well into it, I imagine. The greenhouses are full of flowers that will probably end up on the compost pile. And, you know, we've thought about seedling sales, maybe trying to help people have home cutting gardens. But, you know, if you look at the unemployment numbers that were released today, it's like 6 million people applied for unemployment last week. Like, I'm not sure if flower cutting garden is on the top of everyone's priority list right now. Or, if, you know, it's also tricky to like, for me to ask people to buy something non-essential right now, I feel like it's not maybe appropriate. Yeah, yeah, that's understandable. Could I ask each of you maybe a little bit about any kind of, uh, some of the biosecurity protocols that maybe you are implementing on the farm with yourselves and, uh, and staff that are, that are working? I'd be curious to know, um, maybe Stacy with the staff that, that you may have there and then for Abby and Jake, if you're going to be having, I'm not sure if you have other staff on the farm or just having people come to the farm for the pickup situation on weekends. Um, can I have maybe Stacy just start first there? I think that on our farm, I'm the pariah. <laughs> I'm the vector leaving to go to the hospital. So uh, the house is kind of the dirty space. So we try to keep people from coming in the house, um, bleaching doorknobs. Um, we're going to shift all of the, you know, the printer will be outside the computer, the seed shelf. So everything outside of the door into the barn will be public space that gets cleaned and then the entry into the house will get cleaned. But um, we're just going to try to separate spaces. Um, we really only have people that live here on the farm working right now just because we just don't feel like it's an essential business that should drive people to, that people should come to work. We also don't have any money to pay them, so there's that. That's a huge part of it. Of yep, yep. How about Jake and Abby for you in terms of, do you have other staff on the farm and then the piece of uh, customers coming for pickups on weekends? So currently we don't have any employees except for <laughs> my father who is 80. Uh, and my mom, who is 77, who helps out from time to time. And so our biggest thing has been sort of keeping them in lockdown um, on the farm at their house. Um, you know, we try to, if they need things from town, we're the ones to, to pick them up when uh, we do deliveries. And we try really hard to limit 
how much we go into town. Um, it's, you know, the day to day is awfully normal uh, with farm chores and getting projects done. And then you kind of rem remember that there's this whole other thing going on out in the world. Um, so with, with on farm pickups, we have gotten better and better each weekend. Um, and the customers on average are a B, uh, maybe a B plus at times, but then you have a customer who doesn't see any of your signage or, um, you know, we've, we've gone so far to like sort of spray paint, um, where they pick up like six foot standing marks and you approach the table and there's customers who will just walk right past all of it and walk behind the table and you really have to get forceful with them and ask them to respect the space, to stand back, um, to respect any other customers who might be uh, picking up at the same time. So that's really interesting and a bit challenging. Like when Abby said, you know, some of these customers we've known for a really long time, you sort of have to put your foot down and, but we're wearing rubber gloves and sanitizing surfaces that we touch. Customers really don't touch anything. We pack their orders into bags uh, and then place it on the table. And when they show up, they take it and they go. I would say too that we have a lot of um, immune compromised customers, several who are uh, having chemo treatments right now. So we've really followed their lead and, um, you know, we have signage so that when people come up, if they already paid their invoice, which is ideal, they simply go to the pickup table and we have a jar for cash and checks. So people drop it in there and then we're handling that fairly carefully from the, the product safety standpoint. You know, we're always have been very cautious because we are working with manure um, and keeping those, those things separate from food is important. And now it's sort of heightened. Um, so, you know, packing, Orders, as Jake was saying, with only clothes that are going the walk-in, um, wearing rubber gloves, um, you know, and, and wearing gloves when we go out and do deliveries as well. Uh, just trying to be in increasingly mindful of both those customers as well as our own health. Okay. That's one thing that I've always thought of with working with animals, always being a little bit concerned that you're not bringing something to town and now the tables there have kind of turned on the concern is more about bringing something from town back to the, back to the farm. For sure. Um, yeah. And so are most of your products then, uh, Jake and Abby, other than your eggs, are most of your products meat products that are frozen? Yes. Yep. So we, we have a, people email us an order. Um, we pack it, we invoice them via square. Most people pay their invoice via square. We also have a market share CSA using the square cards and so we can pay we can use people's shares to pay those invoices on our end so you know by happenstance having used that point of sales system we were relatively well um, positioned to go to this no contact payment method which is fortunate but that i wouldn't give us credit for having that sort of foresight well i think i'm curious if um if either either of you have anything additional you would like to add to the conversation or uh, you know information you would want people to hear, Stacy, did you have anything? Yeah, I I think this is um, an a, 
a super interesting time of great disruption and usually sometimes the biggest changes need to have a period of disruption before them. So I'm really hopeful that we see uh, the interest in local food from the consumer and the interest in home gardening um, continue to flourish um, and remain through the crisis and then beyond. Um, so I'm hopeful that there's a silver lining in this for the local food producing community. So I'm gonna remain hopeful. I was gonna say, I would echo that. And I guess I'd also, in Bodenham, we're super fortunate to have um, the Bodenham Community Development Initiative, which is a really small town grassroots organization. Um, they just announced micro grants for farmers here in town that are modeled after the American Farmland Trust micro grant that's available. So I think that those are, those are pieces where working off the farm as an ag service provider, I've felt like there's a lot of coherence in the messaging um, and support for farmers that has been really good to see. I feel like we have been able to ask questions of the state government and get really good responses regarding farmers markets and best practices. You know, there's organizations we have worked with for years, Food Animal Concerns Trust out in Chicago. They um, immediately put out a survey and launched a webinar that was yesterday about online sales platforms. And I think those opportunities to talk with other farmers have been very helpful. Um, I think it's kind of reassuring that, you know, everywhere we go, like, our bank, our grocery store, our wholesale accounts, you know, no one really has the answer and we're all kind of figuring it out and trying things, which feels kind of exciting. Um, it's also totally crazy. So I think that the other thing I would say is that I, I would like for people to like take a minute to acknowledge like things have changed and there's some, some grief around that as, as Stacy kind of started out um, that I think you know, helping people be more aware of the process, the grieving process where they are. You know, we've noticed some customers just like being super upbeat one week and then just really depressed the next week um, and trying to, you know, use what we have on the farm that normalizes our kind of day to day, um, sharing that as a way to help people understand like the natural world is, is, is still going. It's moved on. It's kind of um, reverent in that way. Um, and how do we, how can we kind of, uh, embrace that a little bit and also acknowledge like, this is a huge disruptor and, um, it's okay to be upset about that. I really appreciate you sharing, you know, what is definitely an extremely uncomfortable situation for most and kind of telling, telling the story for others, others to hear. So I'd like to thank Stacy Brenner of Broad Turn Farm for talking with me here today. Stacey, thanks for, for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And I'd also like to thank Abby Sadowskis and Jake Galley from Apple Creek Farm. Uh, thanks guys for, for talking with me this morning. Thank you, CJ. Thank you. We have just listened to a discussion with Stacy Brenner of Broad Turn Farm and Abby Sadowskis and Jake Galley of Apple Creek Farm uh, about the effects of the coronavirus situation on their operations. For the second part of the show, we will listen to a recording with Krista Bonner of Bonner Farm in Belmont, Maine. And since today's show is pre-recorded, we are not taking calls at this time. Thanks.
Today, I am talking with Krista Bonner. Krista and her husband, Mike, uh, own and operate Bonner Farm, which is out on Route 3 in Belmont. Uh, Bonner Farm is a certified organic farm uh, by Mofka. And Krista, thanks for joining me and chatting with me for a little bit here today. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, CJ. And I think just to start, if you could maybe just tell us a little bit uh, about your farm. Yeah, so um, my husband and I bought this piece of property in 2009. Um, so we've, this is technically, I think, our 11th season that we're coming up on. And we grow mixed vegetables for primarily retail, uh, direct, direct to customer retail sales um, with some, a few wholesale outlets. So we are certified organic um, and we usually grow around five or six acres of crops in production each year that we have about 12 acres of fields that we have access to so we usually have a pretty decent rotation um, uh, with the five or six acres moving around from year to year um, yeah so we we're coming into our busy busy season here um, but we do grow year-round so we have greens and storage vegetables for sale all through the winter as well as a much larger variety in the summer months. And then I know that you are also a, uh, a main coordinator of the Daybreak Growers Alliance. Yes. So yes. I explain that kind of briefly for folks. Absolutely. So um, the Daybreak Growers Alliance, um, the, myself and Adrian Lee from New Beat Farm and Colleen Halen-Smith from the Locust Grove Peach Orchard, we're the three owners. Um, and it's basically a farmer-owned collaborative. So we have a large multi-farm CSA where um, the Daybreak Growers Alliance CSA buys from our farms and other farms around. We started primarily buying from Waldo County, but we have farms that are sort of um, quite widely spread across the state now. So we buy from, I believe the last count was up to 40 different farms over the course of the year um, to supply the CSA with vegetables, meat, dairy products, um, eggs, cheese, flowers. And those CSAs get distributed in the Portland area, mid-coast area, um, central Maine. Um, uh, and then as well, Daybreak is a wholesale distributor. So we, as well as going to all those places to deliver CSA shares, we also um, deliver products to restaurants, uh, natural food stores, schools, and, uh, and the like. So. Basically, we're a, our goal is to be a vehicle to connect farmers with customers across the state. Okay, nice, thanks. Um, so you did mention that this is, you know, springtime is getting into your, your busy time of year. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to ask you kind of for the farm, considering the coronavirus pandemic situation, um, maybe how that is, uh, look at how that is kind of affecting uh, the day-to-day -day on the farm for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, well, like everyone, it's, it's been affecting us quite a bit. Um, uh, I think a lot of folks in our industry are lucky to be in a position that we're certainly an essential, an essential industry, so at least we are definitely not losing our jobs, which is great, and I haven't had to lay me off, which I'm really grateful for. The biggest change we've seen is that there's been a huge demand for local product. Um, I think it's a combination of the, um, you know, the supply chain issues that a lot of the grocery stores are having right now. 
and people just feeling much safer um, the more they know about their, their food or anything that they're having to shop for right now. So we've seen a huge, huge surge in demand, uh, both at our farm and also at Daybreak. Um, so with that, we've been able to keep all of our employees, which is great. We've actually hired a few, hired more hours of employees we usually have in the springtime. And uh, like Daybreak, in addition, is having to bring in extra people, which is wonderful. And there's a lot of people who aren't able to keep their jobs right now. Of course, we're trying to solve a lot of problems along the way. We don't want people to be working in an unsafe environment, and we don't want our customers to be put at risk in any way, or, or for us to be put at risk. So we've been changing everything about the way we work. Um, I know that on our farm, we're way more spread out than we used to be. So instead of work, having the crew all work together on one project, we're trying to split everyone up as much as possible. Um, which is great for physical distancing. It's uh, definitely a bummer for like the farm crew as a whole <laughs> to not really be able to socialize together. Um, there's been, uh, we've started doing, you know, things we've never done before, like masks and gloves on for produce handling and washing. We, you know, we already had some, you know, standard uh, operating procedures in place for, for washing and handling produce, but we've increased those quite a bit. Mostly we've just been talking a lot to our employees at what makes them feel safe, what, you know, they've been ch chiming in about, uh, you know, what, we've, sort of the last few weeks as we've ramped up a lot of extra people, uh, a lot of new employees, rather, um, we've uh, just been talking as a group about what we wanted to make the rules by the end of the week. It's fine to be like a farmer and a mother of cool. two as well, so we all understand yeah. that's going on in the background. As, Every single business meeting I've had the last two weeks has been peppered with children's interruptions. So those are some of the changes that you've been doing with the, the staffing on your farm in the day-to-day. -day. And I'm curious, are there any similar types of changes for the Daybreak Growers Alliance in terms of handling and pack packaging and delivering all those farm goods? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as an organization, we've talked a lot about this over the last three weeks, and we have all of our deliveries are totally contact free. Um, you know, we always used to obviously wash all, we deliver people's in, produce in, in reusable plastic totes, which we obviously always washed in between each use, um, but now they get washed and uh, an extra level of sanitation every time they get used as well. Um, like most businesses that are able to access it, we are using gloves for all the produce handling. Um, we weren't able to access the disposable masks. And of course, people are trying to save those for medical professionals anyway. But we have, um, we had a seamstress friend make masks for everyone on the crew, um, especially for pack days. Um, you know, the larger CSA, it's, there's like a few really busy days where we have to have a lot of people there working and it's unavoidable. Um, so we have masks and gloves for those days. Um, the driver is, you know, sanitizing door handles, steering wheel, all the high touch spots on the truck every time that they're doing deliveries, um, sort of those sort of standard, uh, well, now they're standard. <laughs> they seem pretty strange a few weeks ago, but lots of new uh, procedures to make sure that we're all doing good physical distancing and keeping each other safe. Okay. And then how about as we roll into spring, you know, um, farmer's market season is, is coming up rather quickly. And I know that, you, uh, you and Mike for the Bonner Farm participate in a couple local markets. Do you have an idea on what's happening uh, with those farmers markets coming up? 
Yeah, that's sort of our next big project, uh, project or problem to tackle. We definitely want to keep reaching those customers. Um, and both of the markets that we do do not operate in the, the wintertime. Uh, I know a lot of the year-round markets have already been tackling this, um, but we do the Camden Farmer's Market and the Bar Harbor Farmer's Market, and both of them don't start until Mother's Day, Sunday in May. So we still have about a month, um, and those markets have been, there's been a lot of emailing back and forth about what standards we need to have in place for our vendors and also for the customers. Uh, I think both markets are still planning on being in operation. Um, like I said, it's important. We all feel like it's important to make sure that people in our communities have access to food. So both of those markets are still in talks about exactly how they'll be operating this summer. But certainly it seems like the standards that we're looking at that there's been a couple markets that seem to have successfully, um, come up with some good guidelines so far. Um, the Orno farmer's market, and we've heard things from the Belfast Friday farmer's market. Um, and mostly, obviously, space between vendors, um, being able to wash your hands between customers, a lot of online pre-ordering and pickup to minimize the customers standing around. So I think those are going to be the biggest things uh, that most farmers markets will be adopting. All depending on the vendors, some people are sort of in a wait and see mode, you know, especially the vendors that don't come in until a little later in the season. Um, for us, we depend, uh, our farm depends a lot on seedling sales in May. So we would really like to be able to attend markets right off the bat in May, if possible. Um, so I think things have changed a lot in the last three weeks and they'll definitely change a lot as well the next, next three weeks coming into that, that market season. But, uh, you know, like I said, for all farmers, it's important to be able to get food to people as well as, you know, make sure our businesses are running. So we will be there. You are listening to Common Ground Radio. Today's show, we've been listening to recordings with farmers about the impacts of the coronavirus situation on their farms. The current recording we are listening to is with Krista Bonner of Bonner Farm in Belmont. And since today is, today's show is a pre-recorded show, we are not taking calls. Thanks. Yeah, it sounds like um, from some other farmers I've spoken with that are in winter markets, say down around the Portland area, that there's definitely been some adjustments and, and changes along the way. Um, some vendors even choosing not to go to the market. So. Yeah, yeah, and there's definitely, I mean, I think if Mike and I grew, um, if we didn't have the seedlings, I think Mike and I would be considering that um, starting, at least starting the market much later in the season, since we also have the farm stand here on our farm that we can sell quite a bit out of, especially right now. And for some people, you know, obviously people are making the safest choice, not just for their community, but for their families. So. There are certainly people who are, who are making choices not to go to market right now. And I've heard of a few markets that have shut down. Um, but we're hoping that we can find safe ways to keep majority of the markets open for the season. Okay. And then another piece, um, I believe on the farm, currently you do have a winter buying club that's kind of an order and a, and a weekly pickup. Yeah. So I imagine you've made some adjustments in terms of the people that are coming by to pick up that weekly that weekly share or order. Yeah, um, we're really lucky that we are already doing, we've been doing online ordering in the wintertime for the last four years at least. Um, and I'm really grateful that we've been doing that. We started doing that just so that we wouldn't have to do winter farmers markets, but still have some cash flow in the wintertime. 
and it's always just been sort of like a steady cash flow, but you know, we never expected it to do, to sell a ton of stuff through it. Um, but this month it's been the saving grace for sure. Um, and, uh, we always, the way we've always done it is people order online. I send out an email, people order online, they show up and I have all their, usually I have everyone's orders packed into plastic totes. I take it out of the totes and put it in a reusable bag. They pay me and then they leave. Um, usually there's a period of standing around chatting and catching up and, so yeah, we changed, it was already set up in a way that makes it pretty easy to make it coronavirus uh, friendly, uh, but uh, we now pack everything in paper bags so you don't have to, you, you know, no one has to take their things out of my box and put it into their usual bag. And um, we also just do a drive-through pickup now. So people, uh, people come up, they tell me their name, I put their bags out on a table, it's, you know, pretty far in front of where I stand, they can get their car, grab it off the table, totally contact free. Um, we used to encourage people to pay with cash or check if they were able to, and now everyone pays online ahead of time, so there's no cash transfer. I feel like that's one of the most, at least from <laughs> from my point of view, that seems like them one of the most, uh, one of the scariest things about, uh, about selling produce at a market is just cash handling while also produce handling. So we've eliminated that completely. We've eliminated any contact, um, and uh, I, you know, we wear. I'm wearing a mask and gloves the entire time. People are picking up. A lot of our customers are wearing those as well. So it definitely feels, and so you know, some ways, just like lots of things right now, it feels a little less personal, which is frustrating. But everyone's really friendly and helpful about uh, complying with any requests we have for, you know, these new procedures because, for the most part, everyone feels the same way about trying to keep things as safe as possible. Yeah, that's understandable. So I guess just kind of looking ahead, looking into the season, are there any, <clears throat> um, I'm just curious, are there any challenges that you see or might be concerned with if, if things don't improve um, along the way? You know, if this kind of like stays the course, the way things are through the season. Yeah. Um... Yeah, there's definitely, I think right now we're wondering a lot about, I think a lot of not just farms, but businesses in the mid, in the coastal main area are wondering about is what the summer population will be like. Because we are all used to having a much higher population in the summer. And um, clearly we have a lot of our part-time state residents back already. Um, but it's hard to know what that's going to feel like in July and August. I know that for our farm, we usually pay off all of our biggest bills in July and August during that big summer boom. And uh, so we've already been sort of trying to reprioritize and plan in case that that does not happen. Um, we're seeing really high demand right now, which is awesome. Um, but it will have to stay really, really high to come close to meeting that our usual level of sales in um, in the summer months. So that is definitely something we're feeling very, pretty uncertain about as we go into the summer. And definitely also it, the sort of the flip side of all of this is, you know, feeling nervous about meeting everyone's demand. Because uh, usually, usually, you know, we, we can, we can pivot in some ways, but we can't, I can't double my production, obviously. Um, you know, we, we're not a large farm and we don't want to be a large farm. 
Um, so I know that for us, we're trying to figure out how to uh, try to figure out ahead of time what people will want this year compared to most years. You know, will should we should we grow less of the uh, more expensive treats like peas and uh, cherry tomatoes? People are people are going to be wanting more staples like potatoes and carrots and uh, you know, we grow a ton of seedlings for sale. Are people going to want to buy flowers this year to plant in their garden? Or should we, should I just check that and just grow vegetables for, it seems like a lot of people are really excited about growing their own produce this year. So there's a lot of the decisions that we're feeling pretty unsure about, <laughs> um, and trying to change as we go. Um, uh, and I know at, uh, you know, at daybreak, we're trying to, uh, we've been trying to meet demand as quickly as we can. Our share numbers have gone up a ton in the last few weeks, which is really exciting for us. Um, but we're trying, you know, it's, it's there's sort of the wonder, the wondering if, if this is going to be a, a, a big bump up and then it will go down again as people sort of calm down um, or as it will, you know, or will, are people uh, excited about buying local produce and food and having that local food, food security, is that going to continue through the season? So it's hard to know if we should change our businesses um, to be able to meet this demand in a way that will be able to maintain it, or if this is just a temporary temporary thing this month. That's you know that's a lot of the uncertainty. Yeah, I think that's <clears throat> that's a little bit of a sentiment that I've heard from some other farmers is that uh, you know will will the it, will the interest go back down? Is this just a peak, or will it kind of opened the eyes of a lot of folks that there's a lot of good healthy food being grown right in their local communities that maybe they weren't really aware of. We'll come out of this with more local folks who know about local products and how to access them, which is great. And I think that's going to be a plus no matter what. Um, and I think there's a lot of folks who are more food security aware than there were a few weeks ago. So even if they're not going to be buying quite as much produce locally as they are right now, just the fact that they are really appreciative of the sources that are here and they're going to want to keep um, accessing them. People who have been thinking a lot more about food security in the last few weeks than they probably, and you know, I know I have more than I pretty much ever have in my life. Mm -hmm. So even if they don't, aren't going to feel like the need to stock their freezer as much as they are this week, they'll... I think the appreciation for local food products is going to continue at some level, which is really, really wonderful for not just for, you know, for farmers, but for all of our local economies and communities. I think the biggest thing that I've had a hard time communicating to some of our new customers, uh, I would say overall, most of our new customers are deeply appreciative, which is great. I, lo I love that. Thank you. And obviously all of our customers that we have from before are, from before are, are glad that we're still here, which is great. But there's definitely quite a few new customers who are pretty unaccustomed to buying from local farms and local businesses. And um, I need I need our new customers to be understanding that we're all really small businesses um, on purpose. We're trying to pivot as fast as we can to meet everyone's needs, but you know, we, there's no way to answer every email. There's no way to supply every single thing that we can do. So. Just be nice to your uh, local producers this month. We're all trying our best. Well, I'll say that I've been talking with Krista Bonner, Bonner Farm out in uh, on Route 3 in Belmont, as well as uh, co-owner of the Daybreak Growers Alliance. So Krista, thanks for talking with me today and I hope everything goes well. Thanks, CJ.
Today on Common Ground Radio, we've been listening to conversations with a few Maine farmers about the effects of the coronavirus pandemic on their farms and farm operations. I would like to again thank Stacey Brenner of Broad Turn Farm in Scarborough, Abby Sadowskis and Jake Galley of Apple Creek Farm in Bodenham, and Krista Bonner of Bonner Farm in Belmont for all taking the time out of their busy schedules to meet with, to meet with me over online platforms to share their experiences. I did want to use the last couple minutes of the show to share some resources for listeners who may be interested in how to find and access local farm goods. MOFCA has an interactive map of organic farms and producers in the state with a newly created layer to show those that are offering on-farm pickup, internet sales, or even deliveries in certain communities. And MOFCA is also in the process of creating a similar map of organic seedling producers, since there has been an increased interest in home gardening, with a lot of folks looking to plant gardens at home for the first time. Links to these maps can be found right from MOFCA's homepage at www.mofka.org. Maine Cooperative Extension also has an interactive map of Maine farms offering on-farm pickup of products, which can be found at www.extension.umaine.edu. And the Maine Federation of Farmers Markets is another resource for local market information, especially around any changes being made moving forward with local markets as we approach the summer months. Uh, their website is www.mainfarmersmarkets.org. And while this has been Common Ground Radio, brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association in collaboration with WERU at 89.9 FM, Common Ground can be heard on the second Thursday of each month at 4 p.m. Please tune into future editions of Common Ground, where we plan to continue the conversation around the impacts of coronavirus on Maine farms via recorded discussions with farmers in various parts of the state, as well as with farms growing different crops as their primary focus. I'd like to thank the WERU staff and volunteers for keeping music and public affairs going over the airwaves, and stay tuned for more great programming here on WERU your community radio station.